what, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> so funny. Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maletsky. And I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. <laughs> the laughing's already, already starting today. We are here to create Conscious Connections family, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. If you want to find us on the internet, our website is trustthejourney.today. That will get you directly to where you can listen to this podcast. You can purchase Amazon merchandise like t-shirts or hoodies. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at the same trustthejourney.today. You could also join on Patreon if you would like to support us. We would really, really appreciate your support. It goes a long way in helping us to produce this show. And if you decide to support us on Patreon that at any amount, any amount whatsoever, that does qualify you to become a member of the Trust the Journey family where we have a private Facebook group in which we have a safe space for everybody and anybody who is part of the family to share anything that's going on with themselves as vulnerably and confidently as they like because we know that you're going to be supported by your family that's in there. And it's a beautiful space. It's a beautiful group of people. And so a huge thanks to all of our listeners who are part of the Trust the Journey family. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being part of our group. We love you. And we really mean that because it's a real thing. So thank you for being part of the family. <laughs> we do. It's so true. I love I love all of that that you just shared. All, all true. Yeah, so right on, family. Let's dive in today. Today we are talking about the best books that we've read in the last year, because we are pretty voracious consumers of epic content. At least I am. Jay's nodding his head. Yes, we both are. And so we liked this idea since we've talked about our favorite books in the past, and there's just always new things being added to the list. And I'm just going to kick it right off because I am just blown away by a book that I read recently called The Body Keeps the Score by it's in my list. Yeah, by Bessel van der Kolk. And it's just off the charts powerful to understand how trauma is held in the body, how it can poison us, how it can block us, and how we can start to look at ways to process that trauma from our bodies. And oh, it's just like, it's just so powerful to really understand the mind-body connection so much more. And I, I've always believed that. I've always been a very physical person and also very cognitive. So it's been a, real be a really beautiful evolution over the last X number of years for me as a person exploring my mind-body connection, but to learn that much more about trauma healing and trauma processing and also just to understand how it gets locked up in our, in our, in our bodies. It's just, anyway, I could go on and on. It's very, it's just fascinating and it meant a lot to me. And I've shared it with almost every client and friend I have. <laughs> So I have a couple of, of comments on a question. Um, first, it's in my book. It's in my Audible right now, waiting on me to read. What I, my book consuming habit is one where if somebody recommends a good book to me, if I get a good, good solid recommendation, what I do is I put it, I go ahead and I click it and I put it in my Audible so that it's in there. I've purchased it and it's waiting. I either do that with, um, audible books or paper, physical, hardback books. I'll buy them and put them on the shelf. Even if I know it, I don't have time or intention to get to it right now, because if I keep it handy, I'll pick it up when the time is right and I'll dive into it. Maybe it's on that road trip or that long flight or when I'm sitting waiting whenever or some evenings, who knows. But um, the other comment I wanted to make with regards to the body keeps the score is I am a huge fan of the concept that all of our memory is not in our mind, mm -hmm. right? We do not – I have not read the book. I have zero knowledge of what's in the book. And I'm no expert. I, <laughs> and, and I do know I am an expert on 
personal trauma. I've been through tons, <laughs> right? I have personal experience drama. in the field. Yeah, personal trauma, right? Tra- trauma. trauma. I thought you said drama. That's why I was no, laughing. Sorry. You're trauma. the drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do know personal trauma. That's, sorry. Listeners, <laughs> I thought he said drama. Okay, go on. Sorry. No, so um, <laughs> physical trauma injury that we sustain as you know a blunt force impact right like say i i smack into a pole and i'm walking along i get a big bump on my noggin right there's the the results of that trauma are obvious and visible i can see them with my eyes okay um when they're on the external part of the body they're easy to recognize when they're internal other people can't see them as much unless we're showing the signs of them Right. Mm -hmm. So somebody might see a black eye or a big bump on my head and be like, "Ooh, you were in an accident. Right. But somebody can't necessarily look and see that I broke my back recently or that I tore my shoulder out of the socket a few months ago. But I can sort of feel them. They're Mm -hmm. they're resonating inside. Those are uh, physical traumas where we had some kind of a damage to our meat bag that we live in of (laughs) a body. right? Right. The emotional traumas the mental traumas the the feelings the things where our feelings were hurt or where we suffered some way that isn't necessarily visible to others on the outside of our body it's it's internal i don't even think personally i don't believe these reside in our mind in our brain right i personally believe that these memories live in our entire body head to toe, just like any other kind of injury or trauma lives in our body head to toe. And I'm, I'm going to spin this back around is mm-hmm. since I'm, I'm like, I'm one of these guys who always puts it back to this topic. Since I started doing ayahuasca and psilocybin ceremonies, mm-hmm. I started realizing that the whole function of these ceremonies is to literally get these traumas out, get the memories out, that are stored in our cells yes, and get them out all different ways. And they come out of your, because we're pretty gross, we're like bags of guts and poo, right? We're pretty <laughs> right. gross, right? Right. The way we get things out is we pee them out, we poo them out, we cry them out, we snot them out, we spit them out, we sweat them out, right? They come out of our pores, they come out of all of our orifices, mm-hmm. all the things that are inside come out through all the different parts of our body. So, you know, I'm excited to read this book because... I want to know about how what's in there as far as cleansing, as far as releasing these things. Like, what are the practices? We can breathe them out. You can scream them out, mm-hmm. right? I've certainly done a fair share of that myself. So give me some of your personal relationship and to this book and some of these types of releasing the things that are in your body or how the body has kept the score for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly echo that about ceremony and and the phenomenal processing, bodily processing of, of trauma through that modality. Couldn't agree with that more. Um, I was recently talking with a friend about this, the plant medicine and stuff like that, and about this concept of the body holding stuff and and us not necessarily being able to see everything and yada, yada. And not everybody certainly is ready for, uh, or is it a plant medicine ceremony isn't appropriate for everyone. It's not the right fit for processing for everybody. So that's one thing. But it's also that cognitive therapy also, in my experience, is not enough. It's not enough, not even close. It's super amazing. It's a critical spoke on the wheel. But like I can absolutely attest that I've d- I did a ton of cognitive therapy. And, and I mean like coaching. I mean landmark. I mean – uh, different types of life coaching stuff, uh, actual therapy, lots of talk processing. And that worked very well for me to a certain point. And then I got to a point where I was like, fuck, like I've done so much fucking work. Like what am I still missing in this area of my life where I'm still having challenge, right? Like what am I still missing that I'm still so sad about this, or I'm so afraid of being alone, or I'm still, you know, like the things that I was still working on, right? And that stuff, the only way I started to really access those things is by going into experiential 
trauma processing, which connected to my body. You know, so yeah, ceremony, yeah, like big goals and and movement uh, things that I would do with, with movement. But I'm just scratching the surface personally of this type of experiential healing. And obviously, I've talked about this a lot on the show about the plant medicine, and that's been such a big, big part of it. But so is meditating. So is like those things. But there's more that I want to explore as it relates to movement, my physical body movement, and disconnecting from my cognitive self as much as I'm able to connect to flow and some kind of movement healing experience. So like, I don't, again, like I'm no expert. I don't really know what that's going to look like, but I'm definitely heading in the direction of my own growth of wanting to have more experiential therapeutic things like experiences, period, where it's less cognitive, just so that I can really see like, is this as legit as I think, which I believe it will be. And what type of transformation will I get out of that? Will that help me access the things that are still sort of stuck in me? You know? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for all the modalities, right? Like, Definitely. Uh, uh, there's a book that I'm in right now um, that is teaching me. Uh, I was just going to reach for it and I realized it's on the table that I don't have right in front of me. But um, it's about uh, learning about the gut. Right. And it's about learning about our um, how our flora of all the bacteria and fungus and viruses and all the things that work inside of us work together as a holistic system. Right. And so that key point is that there's no there's no one modality that is going to fix whatever's broken. It, it There's a we are a whole being. Right. Yeah. So our if we have a. A trauma or we have some memory some score some scar mm -hmm. some some damage that was caused at some point in time and we, it's still with us and we haven't let it go we're still holding on to it it's like we literally are retaining this experience in some physical form whether that be an energetic form whatever form we're representing it in, you know, we're carrying it around. And those healing actions are, are I, I strongly believe they cannot be isolated to a single area and expect to heal all of them. You know, like talk therapy is a great form of therapy, right? Totally. I'm absolutely advocate for talk therapy. And, but I also advocate getting outside and running until you fall over from exhaustion, you know, uh, that that type of physical therapy is just as powerful a as any other, you yeah. know? So the, the, what's, what's come up with one was when I was talking with Shannon a while ago and she's like, scream at the top of your lungs if you need to, <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you, yeah. and I, I did, Good. you know, I did. Ooh, and express. Oh my got it like roaring and like <laughs> screaming and crying like letting out all like the letting things out man it's so powerful so all the ways whether it's in being quiet or whether it's in crying or whether it's in just talking and sharing or whatever i'm, yeah. I'm excited to read this book yeah yeah totally and we can move on but just to quickly give just some insight into what it covers which again not i can't even scratch the surface of what it covers but meaning in terms of trauma it covers a whole range of things it covers pretty intense traumas uh that maybe some of us don't have access to maybe we oh, everyone listening has access to who knows but they talk a lot about vets and ptsd they talk a lot about uh, sexual assault and rape. They talk a lot about childhood trauma. They talk a lot about childhood abuse. They talk a lot about car accidents. So like the tr those are sort of hardy traumas that people can have. And I also always like to invite people to, if none of those big, quote unquote, big ticket items have happened to you, it doesn't mean that you don't have any trauma. It, it means that maybe you don't remember it. Or maybe it's something from your childhood. Maybe it's accumulated small traumas that accumulate into a bigger impact on your body and your psyche. So it's always worth looking into this stuff, even if we don't think that it's for us. 
So that's all I'm going to say <laughs> to invite people to read it. <laughs> I think that almost every time, as soon as we think something's not for us, it's for us. <laughs> totally, right? That's it's not for me. That's so not for me. Oh, that's not me. It's like, oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a blind spot Anytime for all a, of us. Any, as soon as there's a resistance, like, uh, then we're like, oh, yeah, that's the one we probably need the most. I love yeah. it. Well, what's one that's on your list, my friend? Uh, well, this is a re a reread for me. Uh, I read it about uh, two years ago, I think, and I actually failed to complete it. And I went back to it recently in a new form. So the book is Getting Things Done by David Allen. Nice. And uh, the initial audiobook is, I think, 10 and a half, 11 hours, something like that. It's a fairly lengthy listen for the type of book that it is, which is uh, educational training, kind of like system function, uh, learning how to do better at creating operational systems for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the I am a huge fan, let me say, of leaning on experts in their field, people who have dedicated their lives and their point of focus of what they care about to a specific area of learning I cannot possibly hope to be better at learning a system or creating a system for myself better than somebody else has come along with if they've made that their area of expertise. So the way for me to become the best holistic system is to go to all the best people in their areas and learn what they've learned from them. So David Allen, Getting Things Done, the expert in his field, world-renowned in author for this topic, GTD. And the I struggled to get through the 10-hour version. I went back to Audible because Audible is where I consume my material primarily. Me too. And then I found another version that comes in at 2 hours and 40 minutes where nice. he shortened it to a more consumable cool. amount, which is great because – to me, that made a huge difference. I'm able to plug through three hours of listening in a couple days, no mm -hmm. problem, in between other things. When I go for a run, get some exercise, I've got that book done in two, three days, we're done. And it doesn't even seem like I did any work to get that done. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I went back to the book is the key thing here is – before I get into the book itself is I'm currently struggling to manage workload. I'm finding myself overwhelmed with so many things going on that I know, wait a second, I'm going to stop just doing things and I'm going to go to a systems expert and I'm going to get some professional advice from a systems expert on how to manage all the things I'm doing because I'm falling behind or I'm feeling the stress. And so I need better systems to retain this. So David Allen, Getting Things Done, the GTD methodology. It's well known. Have you read it? Are you familiar with it? I read GTD for the first time 14 years ago, the beginning of my life coaching school. It transformed my life. And I love that as I'm smiling, listening to your story, I literally re-listened to it this year for the exact same reasons you just explained. I was overloaded with workload. I was afraid things were going to start falling through the cracks. I was basically out of shape with my organizational systems. I was letting them get a little bit lax and I'm like, I gotta fucking re, I gotta re-up my shit and I know David Allen's the person to go to and so I went back and I just really recommitted to my, my systems and it made all the difference in the world. I'm not perfect at them. I still have days where I feel disorganized but for the most part, I'm back to where I don't fear major things falling through the cracks and me losing integrity with people and jobs I care about. Absolutely. And you just hit the nail on the head right there. That closing statement of about maintaining integrity because you care about the people, right? Yep. You, and that's the same for me is I care about the projects and the people that I'm working with. They have a value to me and I want to make sure I do the best possible job that I can. And so this book is a must have it for is. anybody who truly wants to represent themselves in the most efficient and effective way possible. If you haven't read Getting Things Done by David Allen, you absolutely need to because the three hours that you're going to invest in learning the systemology 
And then the few hours or days that are going to follow that of learning how to implement it and training yourself on the system and getting better and better and using it are going to do exactly what he says in the book that they're going to do is they're going to relieve your stress. They're going to make you feel better about being responsible to the people that you want to be responsible to and the things that are important to you, like your family or your, your spouse, your kids, your, your boss, you know, that your coworkers, your team, mm-hmm. whoever it is that you want to live up to. And most importantly, yourself, mm-hmm. right? The person that you want to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I crushed it today. And at, literally one day after that book, rereading and finishing it, I had a list of meetings And as I'm going through the meetings, I'm doing what I'm told in the book and I'm capturing the data. What are the key action items? Where do I put it? What, how do I file it? I put it in my calendar. I schedule it here. I put it in this file for later. You know, I follow the action steps and I immediately feel better about myself for doing a better job. Mm -hmm. And I feel more at ease about, yeah, I did a good job today. And I feel more relaxed about knowing And this is his key point in the whole book is that if you know you've put the information that needs to be accomplished into a trusted system that you're going to be able to rely on, it is not going to get overlooked and forgotten or missed, right? So I feel good. Well, that, that. yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it really, really transformed my life and there's no way I, I, and only, I can only say this because this is now 14 years. I've got 14 years of data, really. Not certainly perfect with my systems over that time, but like I have that 14 years of doing this, which is why I can say and I can look back and I can go, there's no way I would have achieved what I've achieved in business, in life, in in any of the creative projects I've done, any of the teams I've been on. There's no way that would have happened to the level of excellence that it has happened without this backing it up. Boom. It's a big deal. The, the only thing I will add to what you shared is that, yes, the high integrity, it secures that, which is super critical. What it also does is that when all of our data and our tasks and all the things that we, quote unquote, need to remember are captured in that trusted system, we can, anytime we are not engaging our system, we are free to be creative. Our brain isn't spending cycles upon cycles upon cycles worried about forgetting stuff, trying to remember stuff. We are able to write our books. We're able to make a funny video. We're able to laugh with our friends and be deeply present. Like there's so many values that come out of this that are far beyond achievement and go into the realms of connection and love. Fantastic. You're really, again, you're nailing it today, Melanie. (laughs) Thanks. For me, for me, this, um, where the systems implementation is really showing its strength is I'm largely involved in organizational development for my company, Flight One. And so right now, working really hard, a huge amount of energy going in from all the participants in the company, all the leadership team. And our systems are kind of fragmented because everybody's got their way of doing things. So for me to have a tool like this, to be able to take it to my team and say, okay, everybody, here's the next task for our organizational development is everybody listen to this three-hour Audible book, and then we're going to meet and we're going to implement the action items across the board for everybody in the company where all members of the leadership team are going to have these inbox functions and all everybody's going to go through on Monday and sort through the main things that need to happen. And we're going to have our action items clearly and transparently available to everybody, Mm -hmm. to each other. So where there's codependencies, where I have projects that we're working on with each other, having a shared workspace like Slack or Planable or Monday.com or Bandcamp or um, Basecamp or any mm-hmm. of the options that people use. If you use these areas to indicate your next actions, then my stress around a project that I don't necessarily have control over goes down. Right. Because I don't have to get in touch with that person to get an update. I can see the next action item. I know when the next action is supposed to be performed or completed, and I know when I'm expected to hear something about it. And that takes such a huge amount of stress off my back. And again, like you said, it allows me to go for a workout 
and focus on my workout yeah. and not focus on the project that I'm thinking about. I'm actually thinking about my steps and my body and the things that I want to be thinking about during my workout or spending time with my family. I'm thinking about my family rather than thinking about my work project, which is trying to take over my mind because I don't know when that next action is going to happen. Yeah. Great book. Highly recommend it. It's a huge top 10 winner lifetime yeah. as far as a, a, a value-added kind of instructional manual on how to do life. Yeah. Amen. Hey, freaking man. Oh, my God. Well, shall we go on? You're next. Let's see. Well, I I wrote down on my list. I took I basically took a bunch of screenshots of my Audible because I have so many like listed lists of things. And I wrote I wanted to include the anti-racism books that I have read in the and this is not even the past year, but. I read more this past year because of the racial divisiveness going on in in the world in the United States. But so this sort of preceded that. But still, so how to be an anti racist by Abram X Kendi, the the new Jim Crow. Who's the author of that? Sorry, it's by Michelle Alexander, and Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad. There's others like Stamped from the Beginning also by Ibram X. Kendi's. But those books are so enlightening and so important, I think, in, in order to really get a holistic education around the history of at least the United States, but racism at large and the systems in the United States like really learning about mass incarceration, which deeply disturbs me in in the United States. Like I have, I, for some reason, when I think about different issues that are in our society, that one disturbs me so much. And so much disturbs me. Don't get me wrong. A lot disturbs me. But the idea that millions of millions of people are incarcerated Oh, it's just like, and I'm not suggesting that people not be held accountable for actions. I'm just saying like learning about the systems has really opened my eyes in a really painful way. And I feel very strongly toward sort of the the sort of just reform of our systems because again i'm i'm not an anti cop person in any way i'm I'm pro police, but I'm also like why do we put everything on police? Why does everyone need to be incarcerated? Why are there not more social impact programs that help people and help people heal? We talk so much about healing that it seems like our systems really, really skip that. And they instead just incarcerate so many people, which is such a simplistic way to talk about it. And I am, again, no expert on this subject. I've just learned a lot. And it, I think it's just so important for us to learn about it because we're not taught it in school. So, so this is a really key point. It actually came up in conversation for me just a couple of days ago, unintentionally. I was talking about my life with a good friend of mine, and I was talking about how, as a kid, my biggest fears were the police. Yeah, I'm, I'm my, deeply it, afraid of the police, which is so weird. You, my right, dad's like the a whole, cop. I'm like, that's yeah. got to be related, man. But like, I'm just like, no. anyway, sorry to jump in there, but I'm like no. totally afraid of the police. Yeah. So I live uh, as a child. My, my biggest concern as a young person was that a police officer would choose to incarcerate me for something because so really I didn't have any big fears in the world. I'm like, <sighs> I'm not worried about getting uh, mugged by somebody or ending up in some like the situations are all pretty manageable. The mm -hmm. one that's completely out of our control is there's this power structure that just decides for you whether you're a good or a bad person yeah. without really aligning that with our own like collective values. Our, our, our cultural value system is not necessarily reflected in the, in the, uh, uh, what's in the, the judicial laws, system. in the judicial yeah. system, yeah. Yeah, the judicial system, right? Mm -hmm. Like, So as a young man, terrified, okay, if anybody can really screw my life up, it's a cop. Yeah. And that's wrong. Like, that's something that's really messed up. And as I've gotten older 
and I've realized, you know, I'm no longer really afraid of cops. I'm very understanding. Like I love, I'm a huge supporter. Uh, and I, this is something that came up with for me in, in ceremony. Again, I was in ceremony. I've had this fear of authority figures, police officers, and I actually have this massive appreciation mm -hmm. for anybody who goes and puts their life into this totally. structure of society that is absolutely mandatory for our society as it stands at this time. Mm -hmm. We need people to volunteer to be the order keepers. Mm -hmm. But we also need a judicial system and a incarceration system that is actually a, a real reflection of the criminal what is defined as criminal and where the big issues in our society is mental health issues, mm -hmm. criminal issues, and actually the whole private prison system, oh, which is absolutely God. freaking terrifying. That oh my God. The prison so... system is privately owned is a, that's just out of the, out of control. I don't even want to Ugh. talk about it. It's so scary. It's so scary. I, so this is not a book, but watch 13th on Netflix Read the new Jim Crow, and that will help you understand. For anyone listening, that will help you understand what we're talking about relative to mass incarceration. It's very, very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I don't need, Whoa. we don't need to go on and on about that, but I really wanted to make sure that that was something I shared because it's been a, a huge part of my last two years, but, but definitely the last year as well. It's a big, it's a big investment. And I have to applaud you for being willing to, suffer the trauma of learning about it's, this it takes a lot of work then that's no joke actually thank you for saying that i i'll take that and i want people to who are listening to also hear that to know that that reading these books that listening to these books will challenge you like you will need to be committed to seeing them through otherwise it's very easy to quit because they are not fun to listen to and to learn about you know, in a lot of these topics, I've at different points in my life, I've chosen to be like, yeah, I'll learn about these atrocities or I'll learn about, you know, um, anti-Semitism, uh, learn about slavery and learn about all these different things. And at some points in my life, I'm just like, man, I just I can't do this right now. Like, I just yeah. need to turn off the noise yeah. of, of violence and of hate and all these painful things. And yeah. I live my life with a very clear boundary. You know, somebody was watching TV the other day and it wasn't me. And they were watching a show that had some violence. And I walked by and I just caught a glimpse of it. And I was like, oh, you know, and I just immediately walked the other way. I'm like, no, I don't want to see somebody getting their head cracked open. That's outside of the scope of things I allow into my daily experience. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, no, it's worth saying that. And everybody needs breaks when they take on content like that. And it's it's interesting because my content list for that I was sharing today is basically a balance of stuff that's really hard to listen to and then stuff that's really supportive of my individual self-love experience. <laughs> but I'll, I'll table that for now. And I want to hear your next one. Well, I've got two, so I'm going to kind of give it to you to choose which one um, we should go to uh, The Power of Now Eckhart Tolle mm. and The Man on the Mountaintop by Susan Trott and Libby Spurrer well, two I different would, routes I'd love to go The Man on the Mountaintop only because I've read The Power of Now and I haven't read The Man on the Mountaintop so I'd love to hear about it okay so The Man on the Mountaintop is a made for audible fiction book uh it's very well read i really have this massive appreciation for the art of storytelling i think the art of storytelling is one of the most powerful arts in our repertoire and it is often overlooked or thought of as something that is you know, kind of in our past, but it's absolutely not true. It is absolutely in our everyday all the time right now. We, you and I are storytelling right now. You know, okay. that's what this is. We're listening to stories, whether it's in the vocal audible form, whether it's in movies, whether it's in books that we've read, whatever version of it is, this is how we pass information along as we tell these stories. And this one is wonderfully read in the sense where there are lots of different readers. So there are narrators doing all the different roles. Um, 
there's dozens of different roles within it and they've chosen voices through like the voiceover type approach so that you have a, an old man's voice for joe the lead character who's the man on the mountaintop he's a monk mm. and he's got this old, you know crackly old voice and he's played really well and he's got his cadence and his way of speaking and i just love i've been i think my third time through this book wow which cool. says a lot yeah it so does. and it's one of the ones that i can pulled it up most recently on a long drive as a Auto, a storybook to listen to while we're driving all day long and it's wonderfully read it's wonderfully written it's nuanced in that it has those wonderful kind of little stories that are stories within stories within stories within stories mm -hmm. and the little interaction that goes on between two of the characters has a greater depth of meaning that relates to the bigger picture story of the book mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful adventure. I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts on it. I'm going to cool. leave the whole thing for anybody who wants to dive in. But I love to hear any questions that you have. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I think that's really great to inject fiction and and hardly produced like a really quality uh, quality execution of story into all of the educational sort of self help growth work that we listen to and read, at least for me. And I, I rarely do that. I'm so voracious for all like this continuing education about lots of different topics that are nonfiction. I read very little fiction. Um, so it just more excites me. I did actually put one book into my queue this year called The Overstory because I heard it was really amazing. I think Tim Ferriss recommended it. And i have started listening to it a couple of times. I haven't had, I've not been able to really get into it, but the reason I got it is because it was recommended by someone I trust and because it was, it is about trees. It's about human stories and stuff, but the undercurrent of the story is about trees and I'm so fascinated and called to trees. So I, I added it to my queue for that reason. So I'll let you know how, what I think when I get through it. Have you read The Alchemist? I have. So I think The Alchemist is another book in this. It's one of the, I think Alchemist is one of the best books of all time. So good. As far as a fiction story that really tells, teaches us life lessons, you know, it's really, uh, it's, it's got a lot of value to it. It's not just tell me a story. It's teach me about life, mm -hmm. you know? And I think this Man on the Mountaintop book is the same genre where it's really got those deeper life stories the values the things that we're going to learn they remind us about how to think about who we are and why we do the things we do and it's got a lot of great reflection in it and i love the alchemist for that that same reason and there's so many books uh, ishmael is another one of my favorites that falls in that category oh there are so it's so funny because like every book on my list includes storytelling every single one the i'm gonna just I want to make sure I say this book also, and I'll, I'll go with the next two. Uh, know My Name by Chanel Miller is powerful. It's about the woman who was sexually assaulted uh, by the swimmer. I forget. I forget it. The actual name of the guy. But like it's an intense story about her process through that assault and then through the subsequent legal battle and public relations terror it's like really really heartbreaking and so so brave to hear her story it's just like there's no way something like that is more it's like just so powerful through the modality of storytelling like hearing it from her it's like it tells her story and it's really 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 powerful and again, it's another heavier share. But again, that's part of my year is really looking at things that I wouldn't want to look at, looking more deeply at things like that. So like I mentioned 13th relative to the racism and mass incarceration. Similarly with sexual assault, Athlete A on Netflix is another really great documentary to watch, very powerful one on sexual assault and survivorship of that. So yeah, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Couldn't recommend that more. And then another storytelling book, which I'll go to next, is this is one in support of my being and my 
personal self-love. They're all in support of my own growth and love and, and all of that. But Untamed by Glennon Doyle is phenomenal. It's totally her story. She talks about her own process through depression and and realizing that she's basically ending her marriage and she's a writer and she's an activist and she it's, there's, there's just so much richness in her story as well through the micro stories that she shares. So it's a, a bigger story, but she does such an excellent job through like the chapters, the micro stories that she shares around certain insights and, and aha moments or big pivotal moments in her life. It's just so relatable and so deeply powerful because it's so you can see yourself on every page pretty much, even if you haven't lived her exact experience. That's such a powerful uh, perspective that books bring to us, right? Is the internal reflection of shifting our point of view of how we see ourselves or bringing our, our own lives into an awareness where we weren't necessarily so easily spotlighting that awareness yeah. prior to just reading the story, right? So good. Oh, it's so good. It's so fascinating how books really and truly make us feel less alone in the world because we're connecting to a real person. That's why I love nonfiction so much. And it's not that fiction can't make a, can't make that happen for us because I believe a human had to come up with that story. So there's still recognition of, of the shared experience in a fiction story. But yeah, there's something about nonfiction for me, hearing real people's stories that really feel supportive to me. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about fiction, nonfiction, and kind of the line in there a little bit. Because there's a series... I didn't read them Do recently, it. but I recently passed them along to a friend who has been just engorged and she's already on the third book in the series. And it is the Clan of the <laughs> Cave Bear series by Jean M. Oh, Orell. Cool. Have you ever read these? No, I haven't. But my brother did when I was a kid and he loved them. So I read every book in the series a number of years ago, and I think there's like seven or eight big, thick fiction books in the series. And for me... I know the stories are fiction because we don't have records of prehistoric times to reflect on, but the author's done an excellent job of creating the best possible representation that we could of a time that we, that she could of a time that we don't really have any record of mm -hmm. and using all as many real references as possible to make it as historically accurate as possible. So I love the whole story. That's an excellent series for anybody who wants to dive into it. And I want to tip that that um, the dial just one more notch to the right. And I'm currently reading, uh, almost done, John McPhee. And now I explored this author again because of Tim Ferriss we talk about often. Mm -hmm. When I hear as much ranting and raving about the author, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try one of his books out. <laughs> so I look through the uh, what do you call the list of all of somebody's books? It's a discography, library. the library. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a discography for music where uh, it's a library for the authors. So I looked through their library, and I saw one called "The Survival of the Bark Canoe," and it looked like a nice small book, which is I feel is a great place to start when I'm exploring something new. Mm -hmm. And it's a fiction story of, but it's a, a true story. So the yeah. characters are real, the accounts are real, all the things are real, but the story has been created out of real characters. Cool. And it's incredibly accurate, incredibly... Get my lips working again. It's a very exciting topic. It's incredibly detailed. And holds. here's why it was so appealing to me is I've my whole life I've wanted to build a bark canoe. I've had this desire and to build birch bark canoe at some point in my life because it's from the area where I grew up where they were most used and I've been on the canoe routes and I know a lot of the history and I've paddled a lot. So the book resonated with me. So I got the book and as I read it, I've realized it's almost literally a manual of how to build bark canoes <laughs> with all the stories of the world's leading canoe Bark, built, bark canoe builder, his mm -hmm. story and the story of all his canoes. And it's a wonderful, I'm currently reading it aloud. So cool. I've mentioned before, I love to do this. 
something I I really recommend for any family. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody that you could spend time with and you would normally watch TV, turn the TV off, pick up a book, read a page or two, read a chapter or two, practice reading aloud. I love taking turns and doing having different books with uh, with my family of whoever I might, I might have a book that I'm reading and then I might be receiving another book that has a different storyline. And it's great because you can each develop the characters in your voices and learn about the, the actual stories. The survival of the bark canoe, John McPhee, loving his writing style. I actually just bought another book from him as a second one called draft four. And it's on the writing process and I have, I'm about to open it and use it as a guide for me to continue writing my own book. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to read your book. I, <laughs> I'm back writing again and super excited because the, it's coming together for me. I'm yeah. figuring it out. I'm figuring it out. Take your time. It, it, you know, it takes time. Shit. If anyone knows that, it's me. It's all good. Um, it's a process and I, that's why I have such I have such respect for any author. I really do. Any author that puts anything together, it takes something to do that. But the next two, I, I mean, I have so many on my list that it was really hard for me to pick. It's it's actually quite an interesting and kind of awesome reflection to look back on my just year of reading and be like, damn, girl, you you did some good. You You took in some some info. Um, but recently, so this actually goes with body, the body keeps the score, but this is one I read earlier in the year. It's called burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagosi, uh, Nagoski. And the biggest thing, there's a ton in that on, on just, I mean, I, I can't, I don't have enough time to tell you about it, but the, the biggest takeaway I took from that was the, we might be through a stressor and we won't have processed the stress. So it's like being triggered and being in a stress is different than processing the stress, which connects exactly, totally exactly to the body keeps the score. It's just a magnified view with that singular nugget of insight. It's like going, okay, I'm not freaking out anymore. I'm not in immediate danger, but my body is still sort of holding something. So yeah, just looking at that. And the other book I want to share is Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. I don't know why I keep bringing up Tim Ferriss, but it's I've, I've read a lot of his recommendations this year. And that one, he's recommended that book for multiple years and I have not read it. And I read it this year and damn, it is powerful. It is nothing new, but it is a powerful look through storytelling and and actionable insight about accessing deep self-love and deep self-acceptance. It's beautiful. It, I highly, highly recommend it. I've told all of my clients <laughs> and now that's, all of you. That's great. Yeah. I have a couple things I wanted to say. Uh, one is um, I have a note in one of my systems right now, one of my trusted systems for reminding me of the things I need to do. One of the notes that I wrote for myself recently was extracted from a meditation and it was, was said, be unapologetically me, mm -hmm. right? And it is that just truly like, just don't apologize for who I am. Work to be better at who I am every single day, yeah. but I'm not apologizing for who I am and just be it. my, as long as I'm being my true self. It's I wanted brave. to, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to ask our audience as much as I want to ask Melanie, because I'm sure Melanie does. Do you have a book list, movie list, show list? When somebody says something, or you're listening to a podcast, you're listening to this or whatever, and you hear a reference to something come up, do you have a place where you jot that down that it's not just on another list of a hundred other things of paper? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it goes right into my trusted system. Going back to David Allen, it literally goes right into my into my to do list. Yeah, and I schedule it accordingly. So I've got I've got the book list in my phone in my notes. So I have one for books and one for movies. 
um, so that I know that as soon as I'm like, hmm, what do I feel like, you know, like pop that open and I can dive yeah. in there anytime. I'm like you. As soon as something comes across my radar, I buy it. Like I am, I don't fuck around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got a stack like this of books on my shelf right in here in the van yeah. that are like wait for me to read them that I've invested in recently because I know that I'm going to, I want to get to them. It's just a matter of how much time do I have to do that. Yeah. And so I think we're about to wrap this up, but I want to touch one more thing. Do it. At the beginning of this call, you said, hey, I'm wearing my ski clothes already because yeah. I'm going skiing or as soon as I'm done. Yes. That's a that's a getting thing done action is put the clothes on that yep. you're going you're gonna <laughs> to use to do the thing that you need to get done. And so I heard you mention that and I'm like, oh, that's exactly one of the things, right? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. I, again, I could list so many other books. Like I, I listen to entrepreneur books a lot, too, but I, because like we talk so much about oh, yeah. healing and self-love and, and the all of those concepts, like just make no mistake, team, family, that I'm also listening to a lot of business books, you know, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurship concepts, which, do, again, don't feel necessarily new, but they the reiteration and the iteration of, of these concepts over time matters. So like, that's why if I can read 30, 40 books in a year that seem like they touch the same things, but they really, really make a difference in terms of the integration of the learning. So it's like, listen to something once and yeah, maybe you'll retain something, listen to concepts multiple times over. And it's just, yeah, you get a lot more from that type of in-depth, in-depth type of work. So anyway, do you have any last ones you want to share, Jay, before we wrap up? I just up? want to tell you the ones that are coming up for me, those entrepreneur yeah. books. I've got Shoe Dog on my list, which is the story of Nike. Cool. And oh, yeah, o- yeah. I want to read that. Uh, Open, which is Andre Agassi's story. Uh, and Finite and Infinite Games is another one that's on my purchase cool. list right now. I love it. Those are all, I've not read any of those. The one that I'm reading currently is Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0, which is also really good. Yeah, I have. So, that's already in my list. I'm already on it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, family, yeah. per usual, we love you so much. We're so glad you're here. We hope this uh, episode's been of value. Let us know if you end up reading any of these, if anything, if you get any nuggets from something that we recommended and or just the episode at all, we would love to hear from you for real. So hit us up on Instagram, trustthejourney.today, you know, slide into our DMs. (laughs) Why do people say that? Like that just cracks me up. I don't say that. (laughs) Oh my God. me. Directly, Jay. (laughs) How about send me a message? (laughs) Sorry. But that's it. We love you. Any final thoughts, my dear? It's just lots of gratitude. Super appreciation out there to every author who does the work to share the story and to help grow and develop our whole being of persons, all of us together in this world. And um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to read this because this is a beautiful way to finish this episode so a friend shared this translation of the lord's prayer from the original arabic truly beautiful heavenly source you who are everywhere hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done here and now in all eternity fill us with the power of thy grace and free us from the chains which we bind each other lead us out of temptation free us from ourselves and lend us the power to be one with you teach us the true power of forgiveness may this holy moment be the ground from which all our future actions grow Uh, the power of writing beautiful thank you jay thank you everyone thank you everyone we love love you. you